Hello, everybody, and welcome back to What the Ruck, the Edge of the Crowd's dedicated Aussie Rules podcast, where we discuss and dissect the latest in the Aussie, Aussie Rules world. My name is Rebecca Ruthven, and as per usual, I am joined by Danny Brown and Ellie McNerney. Um, can I just say, you guys, my tipping was shocking this week. How was your tips? To be honest, um, I feel like last time we recorded this pod was such a long time ago that I don't remember who I tipped, which um, by the sounds of it's probably for the best. Um, my tips, I think I'm still doing okay. Um, I know I consciously picked a few roughies um, heading into last round and I think it might have paid off. Um, I'm just finding what my, um, what my tipping was. Here we go. Round eight results. Let's have a go. We're seeing this live, folks. Okay, I got two. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, so I got more than you and I forgot to submit my tips. That's showbiz, baby. (laughs) Oh, no. That's so embarrassing. I've picked the wrong roughies. (laughs) (laughs) Deary me. It was. (laughs) I literally got crows in Brisbane. Oh my goodness. Dear me. Yeah. Good work, Danny Brown. Anyway. In other women's footy news this week, um, I watched a different code of women's footy for the first time. I watched Gridiron. Um, one of my friends was, or yeah, one of my friends was in the grand final. Um, they unfortunately were smashed like my beloved blue and gold eagles. Um, but it was still fun to watch. And can I just say, thank God we are not allowed to tackle people by pulling their ponytail in Aussie rules because I would be gone. That's legal. What? This is where I keep my hair short for that instance and that instance only. That's ridiculous. My hair, for those who are watching this, it goes down to my hips. If I stand up, it still goes on past the screen. I would not be having a fun time. No. Anyway, kudos to the Gridiron girls and kudos to the AFLW girls this weekend. We had a lot of really, really good moments across the board. Um, So that means it's time for us to review them um, in Clangers and Hangers. So once again, we talk about the highlights and the lowlights of the round just gone. Everybody loves the Hangers, but no one likes the Clangers. So Danny, let's kick off with you. What are you going to start with? Uh, well, let's start with my hanger, and it's undeniably Darcy Vestio. <laughs> uh, last week, my hanger was Ebony Marinoff breaking her record, and this week, it's Darcy Vestio breaking their record. For those who don't know, Darcy Vestio kicked their 50th career goal on the weekend. They are the first AFLW player to collect this stat. It was a race between them and Erin Phillips, and uh, Flipper was out with injury, so it paved the way for Darcio to collect that. Can I just say, I was halfway through typing, Darcy's kicked their 49th goal. Will they kick their 50th goal in this, in this game? There's still a quarter and a bit to go. And I hadn't even finished typing it when they kicked their 50th. <laughs> I was like, you're kidding me. <laughs> so um, that was fantastic. Um, they were the first or in the first game ever of AFLW. They kicked four goals. And so 
them and also like as a pioneer and a face of the game a game changer as Carlton would say I just couldn't think of anyone better suited to hold this record so props to you Darcy V and the interview post-match was just beautiful how um, the whole team got around them so loved that if I could go react I would but zoom doesn't allow that so carry on <laughs> love that um and my clanger let's fall from the heights of a record to some funding issues shall we say um Gil McLaughlin announced this week that uh there would be an investment in Marvel Stadium upgrades which you know we're all for stadium upgrades but when it's 225 million dollars to quote unquote sexy scoreboards oh my gosh that term just makes me cringe it it's <laughs> thank you Beck Beck's just dry reaching over here <laughs> I it just drives me up the wall to see such a big amount splashed around on things like food and entertainment and scoreboards when it could be invested in the AFLW um a person I follow on Twitter Marnie Vinyl wrote an op-ed that perfectly explained how I felt about it um she said investing in stadiums and investing in women's footy don't have to be mutually exclusive yet what those in decision making roles have shown with the stadium announcement is it's not so much of an issue of acquiring funds but rather where they're chosen to be spent. And to me, it shows that essentially, if the powers that be invested in AFLW and made it professional instead of all these flashy little things, um, it would fix or help a lot of the issues that we have, not only in terms of you know, player pay, resourcing, those kinds of things, but also viewership and just growing the game in general. So got a little bit of a bone to pick I don't know, choosing scoreboards over the whole female competition, but I'm going to leave it there because I could talk about this for 20 minutes and you guys don't want to hear about that. <laughs> I think you've summed it up pretty perfectly and there's nothing more I can add except I like the fact that he used the term sexy to talk about a couple of LED lights that come together, show the broadcast of a game and the scoreboard. Like, sexy like <laughs> it's like we're trying to stop sexualizing players so we're gonna sexualize <laughs> is it a game i have called optus stadium sexy in the past because it is a very <laughs> sexy stadium but not the scoreboards scoreboards are the most mundane part of the stadium um, sorry, Adelaide Oval would like to have a chat with you. That okay, that's a handsome scoreboard. Adelaide Oval's scoreboard is handsome. <laughs> okay, but does it have the largest scoreboard in the Southern Hemisphere like Optus Stadium though? No, but is it still fully human operated and putting the numbers in with the Am I gonna have to boot one of you into the waiting room or <laughs> <laughs> okay let's move on let's move on no more sexy scoreboard talk <laughs> ellie hit us with your clanger and hanger so my clanger let's get the bad news out of the way first um once again i have a bone to pick with the broadcasters in the adelaide Fremantle game 
Um, the broadcaster did not get H Hannah Manyard's mark um, on tape. And um, in which it was announced today that that said, that said mark was um, nominated for mark of the week. So um, I hate to say it, but if this was the men's game, this would not be happening. Yeah, it was very lucky that there was another camera um, not connected to the main broadcaster that did capture it. And also Phil Barnes, who is a prominent WA sports photographer, captured an awesome snap of it and it's just being shared all around social media at the moment so I'm glad that the um the people that are truly passionate about the game did capture it but yeah like you said it's such a disappointment for you know what ended up being such an important moment of the game yeah 100 percent um and moving on to bigger and brighter things um we did speak on the pod last week if St Kilda would ever get their first win. Um, they um, they came oh so close um, on Wednesday night. It was a goal after the siren that um, put the daggers through the hearts of many St Kilda fans in their lounge rooms. Um, but the Saints came marching in this weekend and they did get their first win over the Gold Coast Suns. Um, and so it's also the first win under new coach Nick Del Santo. And to top it off, uh, two, of the th two of the three goals of the week nominations came from the Saints game with Kate Caitlin Greiser and Nicola Zenos um, getting the nods for two pretty awesome goals. So, yeah, that's my clanger and hanger this week. Beck, what about you? Um, so we're going to start off with the clanger and... We've spoken about her on the podcast before. We all love her. It's Sarah Perkins. She's such a good player. Um, yeah, we love what she does on the field, but unfortunately off field, she does cop a bit of stick on social media. And we saw it this week um, with some body shaming. Now, one Twitter user commented under her post um, saying, peak athleticism. Uh, Steph Chiochi stood up for her and said, do you feel better about yourself for this comment? Jog on. And then another Twitter user said, I think she should go for a jog. Now, first of all, Sarah Perkins jogs more in a game than you would sitting on your couch being a couch troll, a couch potato and a couch expert. Second of all, she could drop punt you from outside 50 and kick a goal. Um, we've seen her do it to a before. I think she could do it to your body. And finally, if you come for Sarah Perkins, you are coming for the entire AFLW community because she is so loved. She's such a good talent. She's proved time and time again, she doesn't need to do anything more to prove herself to anyone else because she is a good player and she has the accolades to show for it. So if you're body shaming Sarah Perkins, I suggest you move on and just get a life honestly and honestly eating disorders and body dysmorphia is such a huge issue in the AFL and the AFLW um so much so that they removed the skin folds test and I think it's a move in the right direction because body shape doesn't necessarily determine talent and we've seen that with Sarah Perkins anyway whew, I got a bit heated about that one um <laughs> Anyway, my hangout goes to the Brisbane Lions. Now, they took on West Coast on Sunday afternoon and absolutely cruised to a 74-point win over 
the Eagles, um, who we kept scoreless at halftime, the scoreline ran 46 to zero. Um, and then from there, they just cruised up to 98. So kudos to them because they actually broke Carlton's record that they set against Gold Coast last year, which was 87. Um, they were two points off raising the bat and hitting the ton. Um, and they did have the chance, unfortunately, Greta Bodie couldn't convert. Um, but yeah, props to Brisbane. And it's really hard talking about because I'm a West Coast supporter, but you got to acknowledge what's good. And that was bloody good from the Lions. And props to you for putting your allegiance aside <laughs> to grin and bear it <laughs> for the sake of the pod. And that wraps up our clangers and hangers for this week. Um, so moving on, we've got two discussion and debate topics for the week. Um, the first of all is everybody wants Daisy Pierce. So the news has come out that um, Geelong would like her um, to be, um, be part of their coaching staff, be a member of it and I guess learn more about the art of coaching. So I think this is a huge step given um, the lack of female coaches in the game. And can I think we, Daisy- Sorry, can we clarify that it's for the men's coaching panel and not for the women? Yeah, true. That's so How true. good. Sorry, yeah. keep going. <laughs> yeah. I just think Daisy has proved her footy brain time and time again on the boundary line doing her commentary and special comments and stuff like that. And it's, it's good to see her footy IQ taken from the commentary box to the coaching box. Yeah, I hate to I agree. Think, I think it says wonders that um, the Bombers offer the, the senior coaching gig um, on the spot with not much, I guess, coaching experience per se. I, be, I believe she did do a lot of coaching with the Casey Demons um, VFLW side the season that she was um, obviously pregnant um, and obviously played a huge role in Melbourne's, um, Melbourne season that year that she was on the sidelines. But, yeah, it's just a true testament to Daisy, the fact that um, they'd offer her such a high position on the spot. And she's such, she'd become a vital part of any organisation. Um, we've seen what she's done with Melbourne over the... Um, since she's arrived, since I guess she got drafted in the exhibition series. Um, and yeah, I think she'd be an asset to any club. Can I just say I would have burst into joy and happiness if she'd ended up at the Bombers. That would have just been so incredible. I would have loved that. I would have gone to many interstate games just to see her coach those boys. Coach Pierce, it has a very nice ring to it for sure. And I'm pretty sure everyone would be stoked to her, whether you follow the women's game or not, just because she's she's just a very well-respected figure. And I honestly, of all the current players, I couldn't think of anyone more deserving. Um, yeah, so everybody loves Daisy, but everybody also loves Ebony Marinoff, Ali Anderson and Emily Bates, who hit the 50-game milestone um, on the weekend. Um, so we've decided to take a player each and talk about what we love about them the most. So Ellie, who have you gone with and what do you love about them? 
Um, well, no surprises here. Um, I've gone with Ali Anderson, and I think the reason why is quite obvious. Um, but yeah, I just love how consistent she's been across the um so obviously a foundation player for the Lions, um, consistent across all the years she's been at the club. Um, she's got countless accolades. She's won their best and fairest twice um, in 2019 and 2021. Um, yeah, I just, and obviously a premiership play with the team last year and all Australian in 2019. And I think she's been a vital part of that lion side um and she's really only truly gotten the recogni- recognition she's deserved from about 2019 because she's played a key role in that brisbane midfield um since its, since its inception and um she's one of those foundation players that have stuck by the club um despite all the all the players are um, moving due to expansion um so yeah she's um the heart and soul of this lions team and i couldn't think of anyone more deserving to hit that 50 game milestone this weekend and Uh, and we'll go um Beck what about you who have you got yeah so I'm sticking with the Lions theme as well and I'm I have chosen Emily Bates now I've always known Emily Bates was good but watching her this year it sort of struck me just how good she was Um, She has a lot of accolades, like all Australians, club bests and fairest to show for it. But I think something that goes unnoticed is her work rate, both on and off the field. She's always willing to go that extra mile to get the ball, you know, out of a contest or get the ball between the sticks or, you know, to get in the prime shape she knows she wants to be in for this upcoming season. She There was an article um, published on the AFLW website about her a couple of weeks ago and she talked about how she really, really took pre-season so, so, so seriously, um, which obviously every player does, but just some of the stuff she did, like um, the way she managed some of her like impulses for certain foods, um, the way she went and did more than what was required from the training schedule and all that sort of stuff you've got to admire it um and I honestly appreciate anyone who has such a good work ethic but on the field like she's just has such a good footy brain to get herself in the position to win the ball and do what she needs to do to help her teammates out and players that work hard and players that work for her their team like they're my favorite types of players. So that's why I've gone with Emily Bates. And to round off the 50 trio, um, we are now heading to Adelaide where Danny will give us an Adelaide player. (laughs) I'm actually south of Adelaide, but (laughs) minor detail. Um, Ebony Marinoff is going to hit her 50th game this weekend and I admire her so much uh, as a player as a person um, everything about her just strikes a chord with me on field she's a real hard nut she has a real nose for the ball um, always is putting on pressure and racking up many many disposals um, and she's just someone who shows such leadership for someone so young it's it's very easy to discount um or forget how how young she actually is um and 
I really think the Crows have done so well. She, um, in picking her up, they, she was their first ever draft pick in the inaugural AFLW draft, and it's just paid off in dividends. Um, seeing her take, um, there was one game where she got, I think her, I think it was 21 tackles. Um, it was just ridiculous just seeing someone can notch up that many um that many tackles in a game and as we know she's um always uh collecting disposals and last week she uh broke the record for the um or the first person to hit a thousand disposals so um you know she won the rising star award in her first year she's been all australian she's won club best and fairest um and yeah, I just, I just admire her. She seems like a really lovely person too, just like so bubbly and would just have time for anyone. So um, props to Ebony Marinoff. I'm very glad that girls coming through and boys coming through the um, footy pathway have someone like you to look up to. Yeah, so wishing them all the best and yeah. Let's hope they have another fantastic 50 more games. At least. <laughs> At least. Oh, imagine seeing the day we get a 200 gamer or a 300 gamer AFLW player. I would absolutely love it and be so stoked for them. That's like Darcy Vessio when they broke the record on the weekend. They were more focused on, oh, I can't wait to see who's going to get 100 goals. Like, that's... Ah, the future is just so exciting for AFLW. It really is. And with the talent coming up through the system, like it's it's already really bright, but it's just going to get brighter. So, yeah. so yeah. Kudos to, the, honestly, like kudos to those who have been around for the beginning and have seen it become what it is now. We'll see it grow astronomically into the future. Um. Anyway, so that's our debate and discussion of the week. And now we're going to head into our round nine previews. So round nine is a very, very exciting round because we have the top six teams playing each other. Um, but the first game of the round does not fall into that category. It is St Kilda versus Geelong. So both the sides are coming off great wins, but St Kilda has had some pretty unfortunate news during the week, haven't they, Ellie? Yeah, so the Saints, unfortunately, to put a damper on their first win of the season, um, they'll be without uh, Rewatt for the remainder of the season, who's unfortunately torn her ACL. Um, so that's a big loss for the Saints. Um, but, yeah, I'm really looking forward to this game. I think it's going to be – I feel like we say this about most games, but I feel like it's going to be much closer than we expect it to be. I think St Kilda have been around the mark for – of, of a few teams over the past few weeks I just haven't been able to get over the line so um yeah to see yeah and I'm just really looking forward to watching that um Georgie Prasparkas and Nina Morrison duo in the middle again um yeah so I'm extremely excited about this match um, Geelong will also be without a player. They will be without Olivia Barber, who I don't know if you guys saw the footage, but the way she got the head knock and then she went to kick the ball and then she collapsed back onto the grass. Like, given all the stuff that's come out about concussions recently, that was scary. So wishing Olivia Barber all the best. Um, 
but yeah, that was scary. And as well, she was having such a good game up until that point. So yeah, Geelong also do have a lot of stock stock to cover her. So hopefully, you know, the game will be as good as I'm hoping it will be. All right. So moving on, we have the GWS Giants and Richmond and both sides have come off disappointing losses, but Despite this, Katie Brennan is still finding a way to get the ball between the sticks, um, kicking Richmond's only goal of the round. But which players from Richmond do we think need to have a good game here, considering it was a pretty disappointing loss to the Cats? Um, all of them? <clears throat> just, to be, just to be silly. Um, no, I, I think that uh, the Hosking sisters are someone that that Richmond have looked to throughout the year and um, should be um, looking to even more. Uh, and, you know, they have been consistent, but I feel like it's their time to shine and um, and step it up a notch. It's always um, easy to rely on Katie Brennan and Mon Conti, but um, there's plenty of players on that list that aren't those four girls. Um, I'd really love to see Ellie McKenzie find her way into the game a bit more. Um, I know that she started the season with injury and she is very new to the AFLW system, but um, there was a lot of hype around her before she before this season started. And I'd love to see her step up and, you know, find her place in the team and, and have a leading role that would see her become a leader at the club for many years to come. And what about GWS? What are we thinking about them, Ellie? Well, yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, up until, I guess, that St Kilda game, they had been very disappointing around goal. Um, but I actually, fun funnily enough, I read the um, Never Surrender book about the 2020 season this week. Um, and I think there was a quote from Alicia Eber in there where she said, I'm sick of being a team with potential. Um, and I feel that's kind of, that kind of stuck, especially over these past few weeks where they've got so much potential in that side, but they're just not getting the job done and not going to that next level. Um, and I feel like this year is their last year to really build that solid core before Sydney into the competition and that slashes their talent pool in half. So, um, yeah, I hope that they do step it up this week um, because, yeah, I do think they've got a lot of potential there. Jess Doyle has been awesome since debuting. Um, so, yeah, I hope they step it up. Um, but I'm also looking forward to seeing Richmond as well. Can I just say that Brid Stack has been really impressive for GWS, especially over the last few weeks. I would love to delve into talking about her next week, so remind me. <laughs> but just highlighting that she has been incredible, especially considering it's her first year having been on GWS's list for, what, two seasons, three seasons, and never playing a game. Amazing. Love her. Shark it on the run sheet. We've got going. Um, <laughs> and looking on the run sheet, next up is Fremantle and Melbourne. So Kiara Bowers could return. She was cleared of ACL damage, which, I mean, among the plethora of ACLs we've seen this year, it's very welcome news. Um, Trent Cooper, Fremantle's coach, did say she will feature again this year. So whether she returns this game, I don't know. But 
who stops Kiara Bowers in the middle? What do we think? Is it a matter of stopping her or is it nullifying her impact? Um, because they do, Melbourne do have that star power um, in the middle um, with Karen Paxman and Lily Mithen racking up 20 dispos- 28 disposals sorry, each against um, North Melbourne. Um, so I do think it's a, like if you can sort of limit her impact um, and have other players stepping up, I think that goes a long way into defeating Fremantle. Yeah, so, but, yeah, so Kiara Bowers, however, she isn't the only threat on the field. Melbourne do have a threat of their own um, in Taylor Harris. Taylor Harris is currently leading the goal kicking. Um, what can Fremantle's defence do to try keep her down? Danny, what are we thinking? Um, as we all know, Taylor Harris is quite an aerial player and in any other um, usual circumstances, I would have said that Janelle Cuthbertson goes straight to her, but obviously Janelle is out with her broken face. Um, it's, it's, um, it's a matter of, yeah, keeping her on the ground, I think. Um, but when you've got players um, such as Daisy Pierce who can hit up Taylor at any length or height or um, whatever they like, I think it's more than just shutting down Taylor Harris. It's more about covering the ground and making sure that they don't get the feed into her for her to score. So, um, yeah, I think it's a whole of, whole of team, whole of ground effort and not just a matter of shutting Taylor down. I think that is a very, very fair assessment. Um, Thank you. And to complete the doubleheader at Optus Stadium, which I'm lucky enough to be going to, um, West Coast are taking on the Western Bulldogs. So, Ellie, it's our team's going head-to-head. So, all the best. Um, But both sides are coming off a loss. And Michael Pryor, the West Coast Eagles coach, said something really interesting post-match, I thought. Um, He said that some players had two games left to play for their career, as a lot of them are out of contract. Um, Who those players are, we have no idea, as the AFLW contract information isn't as readily available as the men's is. Um, But I think it's a pretty damning assessment as to where West Coast are at. Um, There are a few players that can really hold their head high after that performance against the Brisbane Lions. Um, And even if you look over the season as well. So it'll be interesting to see if that comment fires the playing group up. Um, and really encourages them to just go out there and throw the kitchen sink. But Ellie, what do you think will drive the dogs this week? Um, I don't think they were happy, um, to say the least, about their performance last week. Um, Obviously, it was a chance to get into that top six, um, but I'm not sure anyone could have stopped Collingwood uh, last week. Um, But, yeah, I think... They're hanging on by a thread um, to the top six. So just the fact to um, be able to make finals for the first time since they won the premiership back in 2018 will be driving them a lot. um, They do have a pretty cool group um, down at the dogs. So I'm sure that that will drive them um, to hopefully um, get back on the winner's list. But I do like my chances, especially after the last time that my team came up against one of you two. 
<laughs> we don't talk about that game. Yes, we do. <laughs> <laughs> so that wraps up Saturday's games and that leaves us to discuss Sunday's games. So we start off with Brisbane and the Kangaroos, but I'm wondering, will the Kangaroos be able to gatecrash the 50-game party? Ooh, I wouldn't put it past him. That would be that would be fun. Not fun, but interesting to use a word that we like to use a lot. <laughs> the um, Kangas have been pretty incredible this year. Uh, I have loved watching them play. And I think their style of play is a little bit similar to Brisbane's, although Brisbane is probably a bit more um, physical, I guess. Um, I... I'm really keen to see how Ash Riddell goes against Brisbane. Uh, she's had a pretty decent run at it. She's been solid. She's been strong. She's been um, everything that North Melbourne wanted her to be. But the experience and just the hard nut sort of style of play that Brisbane has will be so fascinating to see if she um, stands up to the pressure or cracks under it. Yeah, and I think... Um... How has uh, Phoebe Monaghan been since um, coming to the Lions? Um, obviously, they lost Kate Lutkins early, um, but she's just been awesome this season. And then um, flipping over to the other defensive line, we say it every week, but how bloody good is Emma Carney this season? Um, so, yeah, I feel like these two teams are two that sort of fly under the radar. We always talk about Collingwood, Adelaide, Frio and Melbourne, but these two... Teams don't seem to get a lot of the men- a lot of the mention, um, but yeah, I believe um, most of the top six can go all the way this year. So I'm very much looking forward to this match. So in the final top six clash of the week, we have Adelaide taking on Collingwood. So obviously, we had some really sad news come out of the Collingwood camp this week. Um, Danny, what was that news and how does that impact the Pies going forward? Um, one of my favourite players, Britt Benici, it was confirmed that she has done her ACL um, and so she's out for the season, joins Bree Davy on the sidelines there. Um, and honestly, it means that I don't think that Collingwood has a chance against Adelaide. Um, there is just no way that Collingwood's midfield can stand up to Adelaide without Britt Benici in there. Um, very sad because uh, Britt's had a ripper season, um, probably one of Collingwood's best. Um, but in saying that, they do have a player who has stepped up when she's been needed the most. Uh, Sabrina Frederick has started to fire again. Who would have thought that a stint in the twos is just what she needed to um, perk up and and be that player that Collingwood need her to be? So um, having her up forward is absolutely a um, a bonus and something that Collingwood clearly needs. Um, but just the fact of the matter of trying to get it to her um, through that midfield. Um, through that intense Adelaide midfield is just something that I can't see happening as easily as the Magpies would like. 
unfortunately. So I did say that the Kangaroos could spoil Brisbane's 50-game party, but I don't think Collingwood will do it for Ebony Marinoff and the Crows. With Sabrina firing, um, we've seen Chloe Malloy move to the midfield before. Do we think there's potential for that to happen again? Yeah. I think she'll have to. Yeah. I think she'll have to. There's, um, I mean, Ellie can probably say more on this, but I just think that the experience and the speed and the silkiness and the skill um, is something that Collingwood will absolutely need in that midfield. Um, Ellie, what were you going to say? Sorry. Yeah, in that respect, I think um, obviously you can't replace Brit Benici by any means, but they'll obviously try their best. Um, but, yeah, I'm looking forward to the possibility of having um, Imogen Barnett back in the Pies lineup this week if Chloe um, moves into the midfield. But, um, yeah, um, yeah, we just want to see the best players out on the park um, at all times. Um, but, yeah, so we're sending our love uh, to, to Brent. Um, but, yeah, I don't think... Yeah, the Pies can suck up to Adelaide. As you said, Danny, you've got Anne Hatchard, you've got Ebony Marinoff, um, just to name a few. Um, so, yeah, they will be absolutely buzzing um, on Saturday, Sunday, and they're at home as well. So that's an added bonus. Yeah. I mean, Adelaide, they just looked so much more composed and so much more structured compared to Fremantle on Saturday. Um, so, yeah, at this stage, Adelaide is going to be a very difficult task for Collingwood, I feel. Well, yeah, even last week, it, uh, Adelaide became the first team to ever have two players hit over 30 disposals in a game in Anne Hutchard and Ebony Marinoff. So, um, yeah, they're right at the, they're peaking at the right time, although they've been peaking all year. And wrapping up this round of footy, we have Carlton versus Gold Coast. So what do we make of this matchup? given that the Suns are on the brink of cracking the top six. As we say a lot on this pod, it's going to be a very interesting clash. Um, but, yeah, um, I think this is the longest break that the um, Suns have had in a couple of weeks, actually. I think, um, obviously, the Q clash, then they the dogs a couple of days later and then followed up by... Yeah, um, followed up by St Kilda. Um, just to be able to reset, I think, will be very beneficial for them. Um, and I love I love this forward line of Sarah Perkins and Tara Boham at the moment. So um, I'm hoping that combo is fit and firing come Sunday evening. Yeah, I'm just looking at um, the AFLW tipping website and, um, and seeing the tipsters' choice between this game. And they've got it at 87% Carlton and 13% Gold Coast. And I just straight up disagree with that. <laughs> I think that Gold Coast can easily take this on and, um, and win it. I, it's good to see Carlton's um, tails up, but I'm not sure uh, they will stay wagging for very long. I think the suns will shine this week. I think if there's anything I've learned over the past few weeks, uh, not the past few weeks, this season is you can never count out the suns. 100% and what a clash to round out what should be a very, very, very intriguing round of football. 
Um, so we have gone in depth and given our thoughts about the different matchups, what each team can do to get over the line. Um, but we're going to move on and do our final segment for the show, um, which is our quick fire tips. So we all know the drill. I call out the match. We give our tips and then we move on without any further elaboration. Are we ready? Yes. Yes. All righty. So starting off, we have St Kilda versus Geelong at RSEA Park. Ellie, who are you going with? Ooh, cats, yeah. Yeah, cats. And we're unanimous. I'm going with the cats as well. And then we've got Giants first Richmond at Giants Stadium. Who are we going with, Danny? Giants. Yeah, Giants. I'm going to go Giants as well. And then we are heading out west of the country, not the town, um, to Optus Stadium where Fremantle is taking on Melbourne for that second place on the ladder. Who are we going for? Melbourne. Frio. I'm with the Dockers. And we're staying at Optus Stadium um, to watch West Coast and the Bulldogs go ahead. Ellie, I don't think you need to say your tip. I do not. Dogs all the way here. Sorry, Uh, Beck. I'm going for the doggies. (laughs) I'm going for West Coast. Um, And then Sunday, starting us off, we have Brisbane and North Melbourne at Maroochydore Oval. Who are we going with, Danny? Oh, I want to say the Kangaroos. But at Maroochydore, we'll say Brisbane. Yeah, Brizzy. I'm going with the Lions too. And then we are heading to Norwood Oval where the Crows are taking on Collingwood. Who are we backing, Ellie? Uh, Crom. Yeah, go the Crom. Yep, I'm on the Crom bandwagon as well. And wrapping up round eight, we have Carlton and Gold Coast Suns at Icon Park. So who are we tipping here, Danny? Gold Coast. Ooh, uh, Gold Coast. Ooh, yeah, I'm going to go Gold Coast too. Head St. Gold Coast, Heart St. Carlton. Yeah, I'm so tempted to go for Carlton just purely because it's that icon park. Yeah. Anyways, those are our quick fire tips for the round. So hopefully I get all my tips right. Hopefully you <laughs> don't. Sorry, but um, there's one game that I would uh, very much like for you to not get this week. <laughs> Likewise for you. Battle of I the West. Help. Let's go. It's I'll wait for next recording. <laughs> Best of the Wests. Anyways, that wraps up pretty much all we've got for this week. Have we got anything else we'd like to add? Go dogs. Um, <laughs> on a on a serious note, um, I would like to give a shout out and um, send my love to um, the friends and family of uh, one of our local footballers here, Mitch Corby. Um, he uh, was a real bright young um, football star for my club in Canterbury Footy Club. Um, unfortunately, passed away in a car crash on Sunday, um, and 
it's really impacted our um, footy clubs. And I think that um, it just shows at, at these times how important sporting clubs are um, in the community. Um, so, yeah, I just want to highlight Mitch and all he achieved um, in his footy and in sport and in life and that he's a wonderful person and that, um, yeah, I'm grateful to have a footy community that um, has such welcome, open arms when we need them. Rest in peace. That's, yeah, footy clubs are so important and, yeah, they really are the heartbeat of a community and so comforting in those times of distress. So, yeah, like I said, rest in peace and hopefully you and the footy club are travelling okay during this tough time. Thanks. I also go pros. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I've got my first scratchy on the weekend, so wish me luck. Hopefully I kick a couple of goals and go West Coast. Ooh, can't wait to see that scoreline, baby. Hopefully it's not like how long we had against North Beach last year. Ooh, fingers crossed. You got this. <laughs> and Ellie, anything you'd like to add? Uh, go dogs. <laughs> short and sweet i love it yeah anyway thank you all for tuning in this has been what the rock you can find us on social media and um, uh, on twitter and instagram at what the rock pod as part of the edge of the crowd network you can also find us at edge of the crowd on instagram and twitter too and of course our website www.edgeofthecrowd.com thank you all for tuning in and we'll see you later Toodaloo.